Well, I'm so thankful to be able to open up God's Word with you. So we continue our series just looking at prayer in our lives. Pastor Van came to me and asked me to preach on prayer and the Holy Spirit and wanted me to address at least one thing within this topic of what it means to pray in the Spirit. And basically, he looked at me and said, well, good luck. He said, you're smart. (laughs) Oh, if he only knew. Well, I'm so thankful to be able to address this topic. Um, I was talking to one of my friends uh, about what I was going to speak on in that aspect of uh, what it means to pray in the Spirit. And I asked, I was like, so do you know? what it means to pray in the spirit. And in our conversation was like, no, I I guess not really sure, which made him go and do some research to try to figure out what this meant. Listened to some sermons, opened up God's word, looked around. He came to me on Wednesday um, over at the, over at the picnic. And he came to me and said, this is an impossible task giving me a lot of confidence in this message here. So excited to see what comes out of my mouth this morning. Impossible task. Prayer and the Holy Spirit. Maybe in using an illustration to help us a little bit about what is the relationship of our prayers in the Holy Spirit. I thought of... This right here, maybe this has happened to you dads, probably only when your sons are really young. I've heard that when they get older, that they don't want to help as much around the house. That can't be true. Right. All right. So shame on you teens out there that don't help your dads out. Okay. He needs your help. Okay. He's old. So I was getting ready to go outside and grab some more wood off the wood pile to bring it in. So to keep our home warm. And so I get my wheelbarrow and get ready to roll it out there. And my little five-year-old son, Gabriel, says, Dad, can I come help? Of course, son. He can't lift anything. But I love the idea of my son wanting to help me. I want to hold on to that as long as possible. All right? Until that time where I have to make him come help me. And of course, sometimes when he comes and helps me, it's not very helpful, right? But praise the Lord. And so he comes out there, and I take my wheelbarrow, and we roll it down in the wood piles, I don't know, maybe about 40, 50 yards away from the house or so. We take it to the wood pile, I lay it down, and I start loading up wood and grabbing, of course, I don't just grab one and throw it in, I grab about five or six in my arms and plop it down in the wheelbarrow, and Gabriel gets his one little stick and puts it, <laughs> puts it in the wheelbarrow, and then he kind of you know, goes off somewhere and starts doing that. Gabriel, come on back, get some more wood. Okay. Okay. He grabs his wood, puts it in there. And of course, I don't think, you know, I'm unique as a man. We don't just get the wheelbarrow up to the the level. No, we pile it on, right? We don't mess around. So I get my wood and I pile it up. I'm doing Tetris with all these woods to make it stack up as high as possible. And then Gabriel's like, all right, Dad, I got this. I'm like, okay. So I let him try, right? And so he can barely 
grab the handles because they're up kind of high for him. And he's, and he can't do anything, right? And so, all right, buddy, here, let me help you out. And so I put Gabriel uh, at the edge of the wheelbarrow and he's holding on to it. And I grab the handles and I lift, of course. And now we're pushing, okay? Uh, my, my legs are more than shoulder width apart because I've got it loaded to, well, higher than what it really should be. <laughs> the tires all smashed down and everything, and I'm going uphill, okay? So it's not just flat. So we're going uphill, and I'm pushing, oh, stretched out, and Gabriel's pushing along, you know, hearing me grunt. So he's grunting too, <laughs> even though he's really not doing anything at all. And I, we get to the very end of it, and, and we come to where I'm going to dump the, the wood, and I am heaving. <sighs> I'm out of shape, and my dad is like, <laughs> my dad. Um, and Gabriel says, oh, man, that was so hard. <laughs> right? He really didn't do anything in this, though he was holding on to the wheelbarrow. And, and maybe that's kind of like the relationship of the Holy Spirit in our prayer, is that we pray, but it, what is it really? It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life as we pray. And he is the one bringing us along as we turn like, ooh, this is hard work. Our reality was the Holy Spirit working through our prayers to the Father. And so we're going to look at two aspects of the relationship of the Holy Spirit and our prayer life. And so let's dive into this impossible task, Right? Number one, we're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers. And then number two, we're going to look at the realm of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers. And I hope to be able to explain that a little bit more of what we mean by the realm of the Holy Spirit. It's not mysterious or anything, okay? So the role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers. Why don't you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. And we're going to start just a little bit above that, try to get the context of what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage, in this verse in particular, to the Ephesian church and to you and I. So he wrote this letter to the Ephesian church. This was a church that was a uh, Jewish and Gentile Christian church. And they were having issues with unity. And he's trying to address that. And so he talks specifically here to the Gentiles in this instance. He says in verse 11, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. That would be the Jewish people which is made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you 
who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Skipping down to verse 18. For through him, that would be Jesus, we, we both, that would be Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, have access in one spirit to the Father. So what is one role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers? Is this, A, or number one, he gives access to us, to the Father. He gives access to the Father. Maybe a a poor, poor illustration when it comes to this idea of access to the Father is having backstage passes to that musician that you love to listen to, a Christian, of course. And you have these backstage passes, and you're not only able to go backstage, but you get to go in the dressing room as well and hang out. It's amazing. But that's a poor illustration because you do not get to know those musicians. And you might get to know about them. You might know their age. You might know their birth date. You might know the color of their hair, so on and so forth, all the gossip and blah, blah, blah that goes on. But you do not know them, nor will you get to know them. But we have access by the Spirit to the throne room of of God to know God himself. We have unfettered access to the king, a throne of power, a throne of mercy, a throne of grace. I don't know about you, but I don't even come close to thinking about what this means. That's just a poor illustration of a musician. It would be a poor illustration even if you and I were invited to have access to the White House, spend time with the president. Some of you like that, some of you wouldn't. And we get to talk with the president or talk to some king or whatever. It's not even close to what we have in the spirit that he gives us access. What does it say in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter six? For through him, that would be Jesus. We both have access in one spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives us access to the father. And number two, he helps us to pray. That's great. That is wonderful because we don't know how we ought to pray. How many of you in your dark moments of life, and I'm sure that there have been some of you out there like this, kneeling at your bedside, laying prostrate on the floor, crying out to God for whatever issue it is that you're dealing with, whether wayward wayward child or relationship or particular sin that you're dealing with and struggling with on a regular basis or 
an infirmity that is wreaking havoc on your life and you cry out and at that moment you have absolutely no idea how to pray for this particular situation, this person, this circumstance. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us. Why don't you turn to a passage in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is it's an interesting passage. What does it mean? Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27. I wanted to just read just above here and grab the context as we go down. In verse 20, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Creation itself has been impacted by sin and, as the scriptures say, that it groans as a result of the sin in our world. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Not only is the creation groaning as a result of this sin-cursed world, but you and I are groaning because of this sin-cursed world. How many times can you think in your life, you're like, oh man, Lord, please come back. And that's what we're groaning for. We're groaning for Christ to come back to rescue and save us. Finally. But it's not only our groaning. As we continue on, let's skip to 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's not a reference to our physical weakness, but our spiritual weakness as a result of sin. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I don't know that this brings comfort to me. That the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. How? By interceding for us with inexpressible groans. As I've mentioned before, you knelt down and you just have absolutely no idea what to pray. And you're just like, oh, I don't know, Lord. And it is at that, in those moments that it's the Holy Spirit at that point who is praying for us, expressing the groans of our heart before the throne with words that are inexpressible, but he can express them. He's doing that for you. Not only is he interceding for us with inexpressible groans, but two, by interceding for us according to the will of God. And praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is doing this for us. Verse 27, and he who searches hearts, would be God the Father, knows 
what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So it is the Spirit who is praying for us. He's praying according to the will of God, because He is God. And as it's declared in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Spirit knows the mind of God because he himself is God and he is praying for us. We have God praying for us, interceding for us. Another interesting thing, though it doesn't have to do with the Holy Spirit, but in verse 34, notice this. Paul says this in in chapter 8, verse 34, who is to condemn? Who's to condemn the Christian? Nobody. The answer is, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Isn't that just absolutely amazing that it's not just you who are coming before this powerful throne of grace? It is the Holy Spirit who's going before us. It is Jesus Christ, our mediator, who is going before us. And the Godhead is praying for us. That is wonderful. So when we bowed our heads this morning together as Buster came and led us, We did not come before the throne on our own strength, in our own effort this morning. We came to the throne through the blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and through the one spirit. And they were interceding on our behalf because sometimes we don't know how we ought to pray. And the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus prays according to the will of God. Oh, that's wonderful. That should bring us so much comfort. It's not just me. God is praying for us. So the role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers, one, he gives access to the Father. He helps us to pray. And three, or letter C, he is the source of all answered prayer. He is the source of all answered prayer. Would you flip over to Luke chapter 11, verse 13? I think we've made mention of this verse a few times in our prayer series. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Jesus has just finished teaching the disciples how to pray with the disciples' prayer here. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread, so on and so forth. And at the end, he reminds and teaches the disciples that they should always be praying and that the Lord is ever so ready to grant answers to our prayer. And he gives this argument from the lesser earthly fathers to the greater heavenly father. And this is what he says in verse 11. What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Well, 
no father. No good one. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, talking about our sinful nature as men and women, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give what? Give what? The Holy Spirit. Okay, I've read that passage so many times, and I took it this way, that God would give gifts to the Holy Spirit to give to us. But what does the text say? It says God, the Heavenly Father, will give what? He'll give the Holy Spirit. That's what he's going to give. In the parallel passage, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, and the Heavenly Father will give good gifts to those who ask. Well, what is Luke doing here? Well, Luke, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is expanding this to where our gifts, our answered prayers, truly come from. They come from the Holy Spirit. So we're not to ask for more of the Holy Spirit, Christians. We're not to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. We got the Holy Spirit, all of it, indwelling us right now. But all good gifts come from the Holy Spirit. I I really like what John MacArthur said here in, in relation to this verse. He said this about the source of all answered prayer being the Holy Spirit. Quote, to those who ask for a gift, he gives the giver. To those who ask for an effect, he gives the cause. To those who ask for a product, he gives the source. To those seeking comfort, he gives the comforter. To those seeking power, he gives the source of power. To those seeking help, he gives the helper. To those seeking truth, he gives the spirit of truth. To those seeking love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, he gives the producer of all those things. The indwelling Holy Spirit is the source of every good thing in the Christian's life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It's a wonderful verse. Galatians, Ephesians, there we go. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What is that power at work within us? Well, in the context of Ephesians, that power is the same power that Christ, uh, that God the Father used to raise Jesus from the dead and ascend him to the right hand of God. It's Ephesians chapter 1. But notice here in verse 16, it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through whom? His Spirit. It's the Spirit that gives, who is the source of all answered prayers. So what is the, what is the relationship, the role of the Holy Spirit 
to our prayers? Well, one, he gives us access to the Father. Two, he helps us to pray by interceding for us with inexpressible groans, by interceding for us according to the will of God. And third, he is the source of all answered prayer. He's the source of all answered prayer. So just to fill in the notes real quick, little conclusion to this section, how, how, how should we deal with, what should we do with this? I think one, well, there's many things, but here's just a few. I think one, we should give thanks that we have access to the Father through the Spirit. We should give thanks. Two, be comforted that the Spirit helps us when we pray. Oh, to, to remember that. When we pray, especially in those times of groaning and difficulty, that the Holy Spirit is praying for us according to his will. And three, man, we need to give praise to God that the indwelling spirit is the source of our answered prayer. That is the role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers. And I'm sure that there are more things that we could say in relationship to this. Number two is the realm of, of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers. So let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. The realm of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers. What do I mean when I say the realm of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Verse 18, Paul says this, praying at all times in the Spirit. So what does that mean? How do we do this? This is something that we're commanded to do, praying at all times in the Spirit. I want to do that, all right? I want to do that. And it would seem from this verse that I guess you could pray not in the Spirit. I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound as good. Okay, I want to pray in the Spirit. But what does it mean? Now that phrase, in the Spirit, has this idea. It it has the idea of in the sphere of the spirit or the word that I want to use because it, you know, it's an R and it goes with roll. All right. The realm of the spirit. Okay, let's go with that. So in the spirit, realm of the spirit, that's the idea. And you're thinking to yourself, that does not help at all. Well, you're right. Okay. Well, before I tell you what praying in the spirit or the realm of the spirit is what is praying in what what is praying in the spirit not okay number one praying in the spirit is not a feeling of emotions oh have you have you had those times when you were praying and man you really felt it and you started getting excited in your prayer whether whether you were um just just amazed by the truth that was that you were praying or that you had such passion and fervor as you're praying for the salvation of your lost friend or family member oh lord please rescue them you had so much emotion and fervor as you prayed well is that praying in the spirit well not necessarily not necessarily i remember one time i was at a church service several years ago And the pastor was doing a series on prayer, and he wanted to show the difference between how people pray and that it's okay to pray differently to some extent, kind of based on our personality. So I tend 
to pray um, in a more solemn kind of way, a little bit more reserved in how I pray. Because in my mind, as I approach the throne of grace in my prayers, I am coming before our creator God, who is infinitely holy and amazing, outstanding, the one who created the world. And so I come in a more solemn way, not thinking that he's my bro. You know, he's he's not, all right? And so he brought me up and he asked me to pray as well as he brought up another guy and asked him to pray. And so I prayed kind of in my more solemn way, approaching a holy and righteous God. And then I was finished praying. And then the other gentleman, he began to pray. And man, I guess, how would you describe it? He was fiery. He was fiery. He was excited. And he was he was actually, as he was praying, he was moving around and doing different things and gesturing to things on the table and everybody's eyes were uh, closed and heads bowed. And I, of course, I was peeking over there just kind of looking at him and uh, then not really concentrating on what I was supposed to be doing and uh, just showing the difference. Now, was he praying in the spirit or was I praying in the spirit? That's a good question because I don't think it's about emotions. Well, number two, praying in the spirit is not ecstatic speech or unintelligible talk. It's not that. In fact, there's nothing like that ever described in the New Testament to begin with. So it's most definitely not that. And nowhere in the context here would it even describe that. Number three... It's not, praying in the Spirit is not the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, or anything like that. Why? Well, during the first century, not everybody had the gift of tongues, so it could not be that, because the Apostle calls us all to pray in the Spirit. So it is not the gift of tongues. And if you would like to know what our church believes on the gift of tongues, Pastor Van is coming back next week. And he he will share. I mean, I would. I just don't have time. We're, we got to leave in 15 minutes. So anyways, so it's not the gift of tongues. So finally, we're back around. Praying in the spirit is. What is it? Here it is. Praying in the spirit is praying according to the will of God. Like, oh, that's kind of a letdown. No, no, it's not. No, this is great. This is great news. Now, I don't want you to believe this simply because I said it. All right? I just want, I want to try to prove this from the book of Ephesians. So you might ask yourself this question. In Bible study, when you read and you come to a phrase or a word or something like that in the Bible and you don't have a clue what it means, what should you do? Well, you should first start in the book where that phrase is located and then try to see if that phrase or the words there are used in, the author uses it in other locations. And in fact, he does, right? So what I want to do is I want to head back to Ephesians chapter one and try to show you what the, how the apostle Paul, how I believe the apostle Paul means that praying in the Spirit is praying according to the will of God. And here we go. So, 
in the realm, you remember the, the word realm again, in the sphere. So in the realm of the spirit is wisdom and revelation. Ephesians chapter 1, we'll start at 16. It says this. Paul says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Okay, so we're talking about prayers here, and he's offering this prayer to the Ephesian church. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of its glorious inheritance in the saints, and three, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. The Apostle Paul is not praying that they would receive more of the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says they've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So they have the Holy Spirit. But what he's praying for is that the Holy Spirit, who is characterized by wisdom and revelation, would reveal to them the the will of the Lord or God's word, or to reveal to them more about who Jesus is. They might understand the immeasurable greatness of his power. Okay, so in the realm of the spirit is wisdom and revelation. Number two, in the realm of the spirit, Paul continues, the realm of the spirit is the mystery of Christ. Ephesians chapter three, verse three to six says this, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, You can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Well, what is that? Which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, those in the Old Testament time period, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and New Testament prophets. By whom? The Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So it is the Holy Spirit that revealed to the Apostle Paul, gave revelation to him what the will of God is, what the word of God is. Now we have written down here in the New Testament, we have God's written revelation by the Spirit here for us. So in the realm of the spirit is the knowledge, oops, is the mystery of Christ, the gospel, God's word, God's will. Number three, in the realm of the spirit is the knowledge of God. And we just read this portion of scripture that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
So it is the Holy Spirit who is teaching us God's will and how to live out God's will. This is the realm of the Spirit, sphere of the Spirit. Okay, number four, in the realm of the Spirit is the will of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 18. Look carefully then how you walk. Not talking about how you, you know, uh, take steps or anything like that, but how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, we've got this making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish or unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Wise. He continues on. What does this have to do with the spirit, Pastor Mark? Okay, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Unwise, foolish, but be filled with or by the Spirit. Wise, knowing the will of the Lord, be filled by the Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled by the Spirit? And this is something we as Christians are to do. We are to be filled continually by the Spirit. What does that then mean? Knowing the will of the Lord, knowing God's word, and living it out in our lives. That's what it means to be filled by the Spirit. And then the Apostle Paul goes on past that and describes what it looks like for someone to be filled by the Spirit, knowing the will of the Lord and living it out in their lives. And it's expressed in several ways. For right here is addressing or speaking to one one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Number two, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So for those of you who didn't sing, shame on you this morning. Okay, this command, you're supposed to do that. That means to be filled with the Spirit. Three, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. And four, what it looks like submitting to one another here in the context of the church. But he goes on past that. What does it mean to be filled by the Spirit? He looks at the context of the family and the marriage relationship. Husbands, love your wives. That's what it means to be filled by the Spirit. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, be obedient to parents. Master-slave relationship, slave-obedient to master. In our context, the employer-employee relationship. So to be filled by the Spirit, or in the realm of the Spirit, is the will of the Lord. And fifth, last thing here. In the realm of the Spirit, we're back to Ephesians chapter 6 now. In the realm of the Spirit is the Word of God. Notice how the Apostle Paul and Jude, the Apostle Paul makes a connection with praying in the Spirit and the Word of God. Notice the verse before in verse 17. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. Okay. And then we have the same connection in Jude 20, same phrases used, but you beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy spirit. What does it mean by the building yourself up in the most holy faith? Verse three in Jude says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith 
that was once for all delivered to the saints. That is that body of doctrine that was delivered through the apostles and the prophets that we now have. But it's not just only this mental knowledge of the faith, but it's the living out of that faith in our lives and praying in the Spirit. See, there's the connection between the Word of God and praying in the Spirit. And so through this argument, through the book of Ephesians, it would seem that Paul is saying that praying in the Spirit is praying in accordance to the will of God. In fact, it's almost a similar phrase to what Jesus tells us to do. He says, pray in my name. Well, that phrase, praying in Jesus' names, Jesus' name, is not just a phrase we tack on at the end of our prayers to make our prayers legitimate. Is it legitimate to have a prayer without that phrase? It is. But what that phrase means in Jesus' name is I'm praying this in accordance to the character and will of Jesus. So in like manner, to pray in the Spirit is to pray in accordance to the will and word of God. Oh, that our prayers would sound more like the word of God than our selfish motivations and manipulations. Do you find yourself sounding more like this in your prayers? Oh, Lord, don't call my child to the mission field. They don't make that much money. And I want them to be secure and safe, right? Lord, don't allow my child to suffer in this life. It would be more than they could bear. Oh, Lord, make my husband or wife do what I want them to do. Not that you'd ever pray that. Lord, take this infirmity away from me. Or should we pray more like this? Lord, if it your will, call my child into the mission field. Your word says that you will provide for them, and those who live godly lives in this world are not promised security and safety. Oh, Lord, help my child to bear under the suffering that... Uh, that will come their way, knowing that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. Oh, Lord, cause my husband to seek your face and to do your will and not my own. Help me to humbly submit to him and your will. Oh, Lord, help my wife to pursue holiness. Please give me strength to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Oh, Lord, if it, if it your will, please remove this infirmity from my life. If it, yet, if it's not your will, help me to glory in my weakness because your grace is sufficient for me and your power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, would our prayers be entrenched, engrossed with the word of God. And I think even with our example of Buster, when he came up, uh, it seemed that his prayers were um, just filtered and covered in the word of in the word of God. He was almost praying through a psalm, it sounded like. 
Well, in conclusion, what do we do with these things? Uh, I guess there's many things we could do. Here's a few things just to consider and think about as we think about what it means to pray in the spirit or in the realm of the spirit um, according to God's will. Is number one, make an asserted effort to know God's word so that you can pray in the spirit. Number two, pray that the spirit would help you know God's word. Three, pray that you would submit to the will of God and relinquish your own will. Wow, that's a hard one. To pray in the spirit means that we come in a motivation and attitude of humble submission to whatever God's will is. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit is praying for us according to the will of God. Number four, begin praying God's word. Begin praying God's word. A good little practice would be maybe in your devotional time, your private prayer, why don't you take a psalm and pray through the psalm. Not, not just read the psalm, but actually pray through the psalm. For instance, maybe in Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scorner. Oh, Lord, please help me to be that kind of man. I want to be a blessed man. Help me not to stand in the way of wicked. Help me not to sit in the seat of the scorner. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Oh, Father, I pray that you would give me a passion and desire for your word, to know your word, to live out your word. And he shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water is fruit bearing in due season. Lord, I pray that you would help me to bear fruit for you. And the Holy Spirit is the one who bears the fruit in my life. Maybe it's the word of God. We should start praying. Uh, another thing you could do is do a little study with, um, the prayers of the Apostle Paul, in the, usually it's in the beginning of the epistles, one in particular here in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. And just read, what does the Apostle Paul pray for? And it's those things that we need to establish in our own prayer lives as we pray for others. Notice the Apostle Paul wants everybody to know Jesus more. That's something that we need to pray for. Uh, a book that, you, that could be helpful um, is, uh, I don't remember the, the new title, but uh, the old title is Spiritual Reformation by a gentleman. His name is uh, D.A. Carson and um, wrote a good book. And just looking at the prayers of the Apostle Paul in the beginning of the epistles and just teaching of how, how we can pray like that. Praying according to God's will, which is praying in the spirit. So the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to our prayers. And we've probably only just scratched the surface, right? Praise the Lord that he's given us the Holy Spirit, that he intercedes for us, that it's not just us coming before the throne, but the triune God is coming before, is there at the throne with us and they are praying for us the Son, and the Spirit interceding on our behalf. 
the source of all answered prayer. He helps us when we pray. He gives us access to the Father. Let's pray together. Won't you stand with me? So, Father, we come to your gracious throne through the blood of Jesus Christ, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, in one spirit, giving you praise, Lord Jesus, and the Father that you sent the Holy Spirit to us. As you declare in John chapter 15 and John chapter 16, our helper, our comforter, who is at the throne interceding for us. We give you thanks, Holy Spirit, for your work in our prayer life that we probably do not acknowledge often. And so I pray that you would help us to draw and give comfort by your interceding ministry on our behalf, that you would help us to glory in the fact that we receive all good gifts through you, and you give us unfettered access to the throne of power, mercy, and grace, and that it's not just us standing before the throne, but you are there building us up, maybe somewhat similar to the wheelbarrow illustration. Thank you for that. Help us, teach us how to pray in the spirit, or in other words, how to pray in accordance to the word of God. So be with us today. Conform us to the image of Christ. I pray that you would glory, you would bring yourself glory through this church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.